Welcome to Conversations from the Edge of Consciousness. I'm your host, Christine Madeira. For me, and possibly for you, the inner world of consciousness has always been much more real and way more fun than the so-called real material world. Growing up, I thought I was alone in this, but I'm not. There are a lot of us, and far too many have no one to talk to who shares this experience. I've been lucky to cultivate a community of friends who love to talk about the energies, ideas, and vibrations that are pushing the edges of our own consciousness, as well as our collective consciousness. In Conversations from the Edge, we share our conversations with you. Hello, welcome to Conversations from the Edge. This is Christine Madeira, your host, and we are here today with Kelly Hatfield uh, from Ancestral Healing with, actually, did I even say that right? With Kelly Hatfield. What is the name of of your business, if I got that messed up? Ancestral Clearing with Kelly Hatfield. Oh, thank you. Ancestral Clearing (laughs) with Kelly Hatfield. And it's also very healing, and she does genealogical research to help with the whole clearing process. So thank you, Kelly, for being here again. Thanks for having me. All right. So just one more time, just go through really quick kind of what you do. Um, you know, the, the little one sentence version of what you do, because we're going to jump into a juicy topic after that. Um, well, as far as services, I do genealogy research and I do ancestral clearing, um, where we clear ancestral patterns. And then I also actually um, have put together some ancestral ritual trips um, and I That's individualize right. that for, for people um, so I can plan or f- help facilitate ancestral trips, um, which I love doing for myself. So Yeah, so I know you, you did a big a long road trip with that. And you did, did some, because you've got some Cherokee in you. So you I were do. doing um, uh, some Cherokee healing in our, yes. our Western North Carolina area. I was in Eastern Tennessee also, yes. Oh, in Eastern Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and there's, you know, we can, there's a lot of that kind of um, healing that can go on. I took a trip one time um, back east when we were little, and we found ancestors in um, graveyards. And had I even been remotely, you know, cognizant that this was possible, I could have done some kind of healing um, when we were traveling around. But at the time, you know, I was like 10. Yeah, so no, it was absolutely just honoring them by you know leaving a little tobacco or um, some people uh, pour out libations you know onto the onto the ancestral land um, hmm. and it, it just anything to to say hey I'm here and I I see you I hear you yeah and, and acknowledging that connection existed yep wow okay well so today I wanted to talk and ask you about and talk about um, the pattern of addiction. And I know oftentimes when we think of addiction, especially now, we think of things like opioids and tobacco and alcohol and substance addiction. But there's a lot of different faces of addiction. And, and you know, in my view, every family has their addictions, whether it's a substance kind of addiction, if it's a a pattern addiction and anger addiction, uh, you know, whatever it happens to be, there's family patterns that are, that are almost an addiction because it's something that we are compelled to go back to um, Mm -hmm. as a coping mechanism. And so I know we've talked about addiction, you know, between us before. So for you, what is like, what, what does addiction look like in a family pattern and how does it manifest itself? Well, like you just described, it can look 
like many different things, I, for me personally, I, there was definitely a, um, a lot of, a lot of addiction in, in the way of substance, uh, as far as the obvious addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, but also it showed up for those of us that, that did not, um, drink or, or use drugs or, or, or overeat. It showed up for us in perfectionism. Um, I think anxiety also, mm -hmm. Um, because there's something that even when you are anxious, there's something that can kind of be comforting about that anxiety. Um, and I, I think there's a weird relationship with that where it can be an addictive thing as well. Yeah. I mean, I know you can get addicted to your own biochemistry and that's mm -hmm. something I talk about with that with people because I mean, I've noticed it in me, but it's one of those things that when you get used to the same thoughts and you get used to the same feelings and you get used to the same biochemical um, things in the body that are attached to those thoughts and feelings that that becomes so familiar that when we get, you know, when we get off of that, when we get into something that's new, whether it's something like for me, joy was, it was just intolerable because mm -hmm. it was just, it was too, outside of my norm and it was just very very destabilizing because it was just too much excitement it's like overjoy um, which in the Chinese medicine perspective is actually a so-called negative emotion it's like um, over anxiety um, but and then you know the that when we get too far outside that comfort zone of whatever those are we do something or even if it's just a feeling state or if it's a thought or it's a projection or something to come back into those comfortable um, comfortable biochemical uh, processes in the body and anxiety can be one depression can be another hopelessness um, all kinds of different things um, can be addictive in the sense that that is that's where we go to feel safe yes I think the things we learned as kids um, as coping mechanisms kept us safe then and mm -hmm. then as adults we never shed those things and until we look at them and say wait a minute this while this kept me safe, this is actually not healthy. Um, and I need to, I need to let go of that. Yeah. And, and some of the things like with um, substance abuse or other kinds of abuse or other kinds of uh, addiction as a child, you know, you're, you're, you know, you absorb that and you're kind of on the, the receiving end of sometimes the, the negativity of that. So you think, oh, well, I'll never, it's like where you start find abuse, like physical abuse in families. Well, I will never do that. I will never be that way. I will, you know, I'm going to guard against that. And then so often, you know, you repeat the same kinds of abuses that, that you'd received as a child. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting dynamic that, that, that we do that even when we know um, like we've seen or experienced the negativity of that. And it just is like this compulsion or this addiction to be able to perpetuate that because that's, that's the familiar cycle that we know and we don't have a way out. We don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what is like, you know, so how would people, if, if uh, substance abuse, substance addiction is usually pretty easy to spot. Um, it's harder to spot things that feel more normal or natural or are socially acceptable, like workaholism, um, shopaholicism. I mean, that's a big one these days. Mm -hmm. um, well, pornography addiction, that it might be hidden, but it's usually pretty easy to spot because you know, you're looking at the computer uh, mm -hmm. with the pornography. <laughs> but some of these other things like, that are just really subtle, addiction to... 
a thought form, addiction to a, an idea, addiction to um, an emotion, addiction to things that you may not think about as addiction or as addictions. What are some things that you can think of that people can use to become aware of, of hidden addictions within them? I, I mean, honestly, I think there are things that have happened in my life that I didn't realize until my 30s or 40s. And it's because somebody else said, you know what, here's something you might want to look at. There are times mm -hmm. where I don't even know how we can spot our own stuff in some ways. So I do think um, therapy or um, any kind of practitioner that can help you see those things and help you see those patterns as far as um, ancestral healing, that's what I do is help my clients to see the things that they can't see. Um, so I do think outside help is sometimes mm -hmm. the only way um, to do it in, in some ways. Um, I, I do think it takes a lot of self-reflection and calming your mind. If, if you're somebody who has been addicted to motion and going all the time and acting, um, action, then you're, you're probably not going to be stopped long enough to, to see what's happening in your life because you've just filled your time with going and doing. Yeah. Yeah, so actually if you do the opposite, if you stop for a while mm -hmm. and you see what comes up um, with that, and that's probably true with pretty much anything, is if you, even if you have an addiction to emotion or an, or an emotion, if you sit back for a little while and you reflect on, um, you know, how you would emotionally respond to certain things and you do that from a place of observation versus a place of being right in the middle of it, it might be easier to kind of see what it is that, that you are, um, what you're addicted to. And I think that, that um, the place that we go to when we're under stress is often the place that, that we can um, identify addiction. So, you know, if you're under stress, if you turn to a substance, you know, that's one thing you can, you can look at. If you turn to a pattern, you know, you can look and see what kind of patterns you turn to. Um, and if you, if you're in that, um, that state of stress and you turn to kind of a, I call them thought loops, you know, where you get in this loop that I need to do this, but if I don't do this, then this will happen. And then this will happen. Then this will happen. And this will happen. So I have to do this. And then you do that. And then it doesn't work out the way that you want it to. So then this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And there's, it runs in these loops oftentimes. And, mm -hmm. and if you, if you get back and you watch them and you think, Oh my gosh, this is just like one spiral and there's no way out. Um, because you just, you, you can never get to the place where that ends the spiral. Um, so for me, I know in looking when I've been under stress and then looking for pet family patterns, like when my family's under stress, where does it go? When my, when people that I know and love are under stress, where do they go to? Is it a consistent place they go to or a consistent thing that they do? Um, then that might be a pattern that, um, is kind of a hidden addiction. Mm -hmm. So Definitely. Yeah, totally. All right. So what are some of the things like when you're doing ancestral healing and you're, you're looking at a, um, at somebody's genealogical line, how do you actually identify what kinds of addictions might be running in a family? Well, I do an intake process with the person ahead of time 
um, mm-hmm. to see where they think there might be some issues. Um, that gives me a head start anyway. And then from there, I do use intuition on mm-hmm. specific family lines to determine what may be there. Um, there, besides addiction, there could be like patterns of abandonment. Um, yeah. I say patterns of abandonment because a lot of times it goes hand in hand with addiction, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a big one, I think. Um, but, but yeah, there, there can be lots of different patterns and, and I just use my intuition based on what I'm seeing on a screen. If I'm working on it on a computer um, mm-hmm. or if I'm just checking in on, um, okay, maternal line, paternal line, you know, what direction do I need to go? Um, and, and I kind of break it down as if it were a list on, okay, where, what traits and characteristics and, and which family line is it? And I go from there. Okay. So you just mentioned, um, abandonment patterns of abandonment, which yeah, absolutely would go hand in hand with, with addiction. And that's actually easier to spot because abandonment's a very strong emotional, um, experience. And so if somebody has strong, um, feelings of abandonment, that don't really seem to, that may not necessarily have a um, obvious reason. Is that something that you might look at and think, hmm, is there, you know, is there, is there more to the story that might speak to an addiction that I'm not really, I'm not really noticing? Yes. And I think also with abandonment, we think of our own, um, our own pain. We don't always see that, oh, wait, my dad didn't have his dad. Yeah. And his dad didn't have his dad. And, you know, this, this, when you, when you start to look at it that way, you start Mm -hmm. to understand why the decisions were made in the people's lives that, that came before you. And, and you start to see it as a bigger picture as opposed to just, oh, it's all my pain, the end. Yeah. It's just mine to bear. It's actually uh, quite a long line, typically. Yeah. So are there any other patterns that that are really indicative like emotional patterns that are indicative of of um abandonment that we might not recognize besides or not abandonment but addiction that we might not recognize um i do think a a lot of people think the opposite of addiction like the there's the addiction and then there's the enabler and people Mm -hmm. think this is like separate and I don't think it is. I, I think the enabling and the addiction go hand in hand. I think it's like an ebb and flow kind of thing. I don't think it's necessarily, oh, here's this person who's in it and this mm-hmm. person who's not, who's just supporting it in an unhealthy way. I think, well, they're addicted to supporting it in an unhealthy way. And, you know, the, the addict can enable in some ways too. I, so I just, I do think enabling um, is an interesting piece too. And, and there are people who have enabled all their lives that actually do have addictive behavior. It's just, they don't, maybe they don't drink, maybe they don't over exercise, or maybe they don't, you know, have a very obvious pattern, but I think, I think it's all in the same thing. Yeah. And enabling, when I think of enabling, I think of things like a shot, like learning the shadow of kindness that somehow you know, it's an expression of love to enable people, but it's like a shadow expression of love versus like a true expression of love, which would, you know, correct, possibly yeah. set different kinds of boundaries. 
Yeah, um, it says survivors. You know, somebody has survived, and that's why they're an enabler. That they, this is all they've known to do in this situation, is yeah. enable to survive, and it's actually not not that healthy. So, are there other? Um... Because enabling, I think, is one of the hardest things to see in yourself. Definitely. Because, um, it, because it's the excuse of being, well, I'm not, I'm not an addict, so yeah. I'm good, you know? <laughs> I've that got person's to protect an the addict. Kids. That person has the behavior. That, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, I'm standing here loving everybody and doing the best I can to hold it all together. And, and that's, yeah, that's not always, you know, maybe you should leave. Maybe you shouldn't be in a situation. Maybe, maybe you should take care of yourself. Um, Al-Anon's great for that, by the way. Is but, it? Okay. Well, yeah, I would yeah, imagine. I learned, a, I learned a lot that way that it's, oh, it's not all on the attic. That is actually on the <laughs> attic. Imagine that. I got to look at myself. So what are some traits, yeah, as a, of an enabler? Because I think you can do this not just with a, a substance addict. I mean, you can enable workaholism. You can enable shopaholism. You can enable um, anger addiction. You can enable all kinds of different things. So what might somebody look at in themselves or in their life to, you know, as an enabling pattern that maybe they, they wouldn't necessarily see otherwise? Well, I do think the perfectionist, perfectionism is is mm. a big piece of that because if you can say you're making all the right decisions and you're doing all the right things and you're not you're not behaving in all these horrible ways that another person is behaving and instead mm -hmm. you're making all these right decisions um then it's it's just not <laughs> it takes a lot longer for an enabler to figure out they have their own shit to handle um and for me yeah personally, that was a, a big delay. I was always trying to do all the right things all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I have both sides of my family are addicts on my mom's and dad's side, and they tried to be perfect. And mm -hmm. then they were perfect little enablers. And then there's me. Um, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, God, wait, there's there's a lot that you got to look at. And, and it's not clear, you know, like, like, we no, because it's a virtue. Yeah. I mean, we, we put it out there as a virtue, especially for women. To, yes. I used to say in my job interviews, oh, what's my weakness? Oh, perfectionism. Right? Because you can then say, oh, if I'm perfect, <laughs> that's a great, that's a great weakness then. So like, that's how I got away with, oh, how can I say a weakness without really being in trouble for a weakness? Oh my gosh, that was so. clever. I would not be able to thought of that. Because, you know, so. two, you know, two minutes around me, is somebody that gone, yeah, they're lying about that perfectionism business. <laughs> you know, no, hey, <laughs> perfectionism. <laughs> now that I know, I'm like, I will never say it again because it's, it carries so much shit with it. Um, yeah, and there's and, so much kind of um, anxiety underneath perfectionism. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, well, because it's unattainable. It's not possible. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's not at all possible, but yeah. And when you're always acting in the right way, you never mm -hmm. actually know your true feelings. You can't, yeah. you can't know how you really feel about something because you're like, oh, I'm supposed to behave like this. So I will say right. this because that's the perfect way to do it. And it took me decades to understand, oh yeah, that's what, how do you actually feel though? What do you actually want to do or say? Like, wait, yeah, because I gotta, that's I so it out. contrary to enabling. 
Yes. Like usually that's like, you know, involves a lot of screaming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or something to tap into your feelings if they've been if they've been so repressed for so long. Yep. Wow. All right. So let's see. Is there some kind of a clearing we can do for this? And maybe it's on addiction. Maybe it's on on perfectionism. It, what what kind of appeals to you in this um, vein to do a clearing with, so that we can begin to move some of this energy out? Um, I think I think addiction is still okay to say okay. because. Um, it'll cover all of it, the, the enabling okay. piece of it as well. Because if you're an enabler, you're addicted to enabling. You yeah. might not know it, but you are. <laughs> so, so yeah, I will, I will do some, some of that clearing um, okay. for all of us. So, all right. So let's walk through that. Okay. So if we'll take it a couple deep breaths and close your eyes, if you're able and just settle into your body. And we're going to release the blocks that are ready to go. Addiction and enabling are such a personal thing to me, but I think probably to most of us. We're going to start with noticing where in your body you feel some discomfort in regards to addiction and enabling. Don't try to change it or shift it. Just be aware of it. Let the emotions come if they do. At least recognize what they are. I'm going to use or utilize distance Reiki. And we're going to ask Reiki to go to the time in your life where addiction and enabling behaviors first started. from there, we're just going to send out gentle waves of white and gold light 
to all your ancestors and all your descendants. It is okay to let the pain and the anger and the shame go. And you can send that through your feet down into the earth. Nature is also always so helpful. Helping us to heal. there's any parts of your body that are still in discomfort, just send love. Send thanks. Because your body is a good way to know how you're doing. It gives you messages all the time. Take another couple of deep breaths. And then open your eyes when you're ready. Wow, that was really powerful. Yeah. <sighs> I like a gentle wave with addiction. Uh, yeah, it's, okay, it's a really, pers really personal thing for me. Well, it, it is, and it, there's so many, I mean, it's usually not just one addiction. Addiction, addiction yeah. is a, it's a kind of energy that just holds on to different things at different times and in different ways. And, um, you know, we have a really negative and very specific connotation around addiction. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, if we think about, you know, underlying addiction is really just the, the, um, the trying to cope with things that seem, um, right. uh, you know, overwhelming. Absolutely. And to have compassion for yourself and for other people in addiction, I think, is the, the first key to really being able to kind of soften the energy around addiction and allow yourself to, to come into wherever that healing space is for you. Absolutely. So, well, thank you very much for that. Thank you. Um, I just, I'm looking forward to our, our, our other conversations and, and to go deep on lots of different things that, yes. um, that uh, we have to deal with as individuals and in family systems. Yes, there's a lot. <laughs> oh, God, it's infinite. Okay, so how can people reach you if they want to go deeper with you? They can reach me directly by call or text, 828 577-6333 or at my email address 
rituals for healing, and that's the number four, rituals for healing at gmail.com. Or they can find me on Facebook at Ancestral Clearing with Kelly Hatfield. Or find me if you search Facebook, it's at Rituals for Healing. Perfect. And we'll have all those links and things on um, the conversations from the edge.net website as well. So, um, so you can always find everything there. All right, Kelly, thank you thank so you. much for being here. And I'm looking forward to having another conversation with you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is your host, Christine Madera. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation from the edge of consciousness. You can find all our conversations at conversationsfromtheedge.net. You'll also find links to schedule a private conversation with me or any of my friends, as well as tools to help you expand your own consciousness and explore what's possible for you outside the boundaries of your current perceptions. Feel free to use this podcast to start your own conversation by sharing it with friends, on social media, in your blog, or even in your own podcast. And as always, live the adventure of pushing your own edge. It's the most amazing adventure there is.